0: Welcome to Urbane Legends, the podcast about urban legends and how to act in a courteous and refined manner, but
1: much less about that. Here's your hosts, Neil and Chris. Hello and welcome to the season one finale, episode 25 of Urban Legends, the podcast exploring urban legends. And for one final time, a little bit of etiquette for you. Uh, I am the travel reporter for BBC Radio Natwitch, Chris Flynn, and with me, a very special guest this week, a fixer to the stars, a man who has been employed by Halliburton, BAE Systems, uh, GlaxoSmithKline, a man who is wanted in nearly every country in the world. No one knows his name. He produces articles of war for many a guerrilla fighter and is known by Interpol simply as the man in the moon. It is
0: going by the name Neil Herbert just for this week. Hi, Neil Herbert. How are you? yeah not too bad not too bad how is your
1: murky murky world of backhanders uh putting guns in bananas cargo planes um canadian medical pharmacies online that kind of stuff how is it how's it going profitable
0: it's a tough gig chris but it's rewarding you Mm. know
1: is it like that film... And the smile
0: you put back on people's faces, that's what does it all for me. Oh, and the immense profits as well. It? <laughs> is, it like,
1: is it like that film, I can't remember what it's called, God of War or something, with Nicolas Cage, where he's an arms dealer?
0: I've not seen that. I assume they'll take the usual Hollywood licence and, you know, try and sexy it up. No,
1: I mean... So I understand currently you hold passports in the following countries. Malta, Lebanon... South Africa, Venezuela, and Vatican City. Is that true?
0: I have numerous nationalities that are all legally confirmed and all completely above board is all I can say to that.
1: And is it true that um, a lot of uh, state agents, so governments, use you as a middleman? I've heard you were heavily implied in the Iranian-Contra thing back in the 70s.
0: Well, you know, sometimes people want to want to do something at arm's length, you know. Yeah. Brendan, like they'll come and talk to me.
1: Yeah, need to
0: need to get some crack cocaine into the ghettos. Yeah, someone will get the job done. No, mate, I think I feel like you're being really cynical about, you know. Just a bit You've got to think about what well, you know the the ends that we're looking for here, Chris. You know, sometimes you've got to can't make an argument about breaking eggs.
1: Yeah, that's true. And um, sometimes you've got to make tough decisions. Do you think maybe I have a slightly simplistic or even naive view of the world?
0: You're you're a mere child in terms of these geopolitical <laughs>
1: imaginations.
0: Yeah,
1: <I> <laughs> uh, well, thanks for thanks for appearing. Um, I know that you don't like to to reveal yourself very often.
0: Um, I, I can't talk too much about my work, obviously, because no, you're not paying customers. So, but no, I did thought I'd come along, and you know. I do have a little bit of a soft spot for, uh, for mysteries and urban legends. So oh, you'd have to talk you? about one of those today was why you invited me on.
1: That was why I invited you on. Um, yeah. So, so thanks for being here. Um, I don't know if you're aware, but, uh, during the first series due to, uh, let's just say some contractual obligations, uh, around using the name Urbane Legends, uh, we've had to, um, we've had to give some etiquette tips at the start of each episode. Um, Fortunately, that was only for the first 25 episodes. So, you know, this is the last one. There won't be any in the second series. But um, I thought I'd finish on some British, good British etiquette from a website called greatbritishmag.co.uk. Sounds promising, doesn't it? So I'm Um,
0: going to put it in.
1: Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, just one of the more stories here is what is the difference between pop juice and cordial, which is quite obvious, isn't it? <laughs> if if
0: you've and um, turns out different countries have different names for things.
1: Well, no, pop is. Not, we're not going to go into it, but pop is oh, It's right. like, oh, so, right. so, fizzy cordial. drinks. Fizzy juice drinks, is juice, juice. juice pop is pop juice, can... and cordial is concentrate.
0: The a juice that you'd water down with water. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, so, what
1: number
0: I one. What I did dear God. Oh, here we go. Um, I wouldn't call them pop.
1: Fizzy pop, oh. that's what I... Hello, could you get me... Shopkeep, shopkeep, could I have some fizzy pop, please? Orange-based. Oh, rot your teeth. <laughs> rot your teeth, Lord Flynn. Oh, come, come. Mother said I may have a fizzy pop.
0: and on the quality of the cordial. Could I have uh... a
1: panda pop?
0: And you can make your own fizzy pot by buying sparkling water and adding cordial. So I go. know, I know. And that's
1: the not, Like I like um, fizzy water. It's very nice. It's got kind of a bitterness to it. I think that's um, all of the gases.
0: Carbonation, yeah. yeah. It's
1: slightly aesthetic. <sighs> Lovely. Lovely. So, knowing how to act appropriately in social situations can be difficult at the best of times. It's made harder still when visiting a new country like the UK... Which is famous for its strict etiquette rules. Fuck off! You're having a giraffe. Sometimes. Well, maybe if you watch *Downton* or something, and you think that's Britain.
0: <laughs> I mean, for a very small subset of country, I suppose it is. But I well, mean, my... for a certain that's a certain subset of parliament. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've heard that. Um
1: that you donated exactly £3 million of your ill-gotten gains to the Conservative Party, so you are actually in the House of Lords next term Is that is that true, Neil?
0: Well, a gain means to an end, you know. let uh, say there's a, a pleasing uh, willingness to be influenced by cash yeah, in the current administration. Well. <laughs> I'll say no more. Perfect. And um, so while much can be learned from books and
1: television, nothing helps one comprehend a culture quicker than interacting with local people and observing their customs. So to get you started, here's a few quick tips for negotiating the minefield of British etiquette. Mm. One, complaining. Brits love to complain. They will happily moan to one another about bad weather and overpriced food. They're not, however, as accomplished at complaining when they have an actual problem with a product or receive poor service. When they do, they do it in an apologetic way. you find Brits are polite even when they're actually complaining. I think that's
0: true. Yeah, I've actually got, because I used to, well, when I was much younger, I I, I sort of worked. So well, I got in the arms at, trade. Um, supermarket and stuff like that, yeah. yeah that was that was you know, You'd be surprised how few leaps there are from one to the other. Um, <laughs> But, no, I, I would say, actually, British people are very good at moaning. Yeah. They're very bad at complaining. Yeah. So Because I, I, you get this, and someone would be like, oh, such and such has happened, and it's really, you know, it's mm. not on, and blah, blah, blah. And you'd be like, okay, well, to rectify this, so I'll sort it out for you, but to make sure it doesn't and be like, oh, yeah, what if it happens again? Well, what we'll do is, oh, you just need to get you to fill out something. Yeah, raise a like, complaint. Oh, we'll we bother with all that. So I'll literally write it for you. Just put mm. your name at the bottom. Nah. Oh, no, 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 I'm not going to all of that. Yeah. In other words, they want to piss in my ear about it. Yeah. They've got plenty of time to moan to somebody who they can look down their nose at, just because they've got you know, a worse job than them. Um, well, so that is, is that the case in the, in the supermarket you worked in? The people well, coming... Well, no, because there a, there's a power dynamic, isn't it? Where yeah. basically, if somebody, it doesn't matter what... You can't you can say do. anything
1: back, so therefore... If they, yeah, there they, so they so
0: complain about you, then you're basically three times and you're fired, more or less. Yeah. So there's... You really can't say anything back, and it's but um, that's all. That's all jobs de- can... where you're dealing with the public. Oh no, absolutely! I think anyone has to deal with public. I oh, you that. Know, yeah. like, uh, who to deal with the great rich public You know, i have got, got my sympathy. The vast majority of people, to be honest with you, I found were fine. But it's just you get a few obnoxious. people. That's why I've that used to, use to get stuff off cleverly
1: manoeuvred myself career-wise to a position where I never have to deal with the public. <laughs> oh no, absolutely!
0: <laughs> I have to deal with internal customers. Do you know what the funniest one? I think it was the one time I actually did speak back because it was just so ridiculous. And there was some chap who—it was a particular brand of butter that they wanted—and they just literally started having a tantrum like a toddler. Ah. And he was like, I hate and he started screaming like I hate you, I hate you. Oh, I just wanted to get. No, 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 just, I oh, just hate you. Said, oh. Yeah, no, just like, and a, like so. He really was attachment.
1: so. So it wasn't really about the butter. There was something else going on. At no, exactly. The I,
0: no, I just sort of said, sorry. Can I just stop you there? Can I just remind you, you're talking to another human being. Yeah. And then I just walked off. and they were like silenced. So I just like get the fuck out of here before they realised. you know, and start making a complaint about that guy's pretty rude to me. But I just thought oh, I'm not taking this. I'd rather get sacked, frankly. Yeah, it was really ridiculous. I mean, as you say, I mean they seemed calm on the face of it, but then when I couldn't identify their particular brand of butter, it just suddenly, whole t- and as you say, probably just having a, you know, I don't yeah. Know, but I mean, I don't, thing.
1: I don't take that out on other people. But then I'm, yeah, of course not, almost. Psychopathically controlled with my emotions outwardly, so <laughs> it's just a, it's just a bubbling cauldron underneath.
0: That's not no, no, true. I think the one thing is, is working in one of those kind of environments because I've done sort of um, call center work as well. And I think teachers need to teach you a bit more respect for the people. After. Deal with that stuff. I didn't so I'm, really I'm always, need to be
1: taught that, thankfully, but a lot of people. No,
0: but what I mean there, Chris, is that kind of like, for example, you know, if I'm making a complaint and I will, because you need to, I'll say, you know, I just want to make it clear. I don't have an issue with. No, your it's, not, it's not anything you've done. do an issue with the product. So, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'll always sort of say that just because, you know, it's, yeah. you know, it's quite stressful dealing with complaints and stuff. Yeah, and it's, you say, you know, thank,
1: thank, thank you. You've made this process very easy, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. I'll tell you what I'll tell you what was weird this morning, sort of going slightly, Left field. I've just remembered it. In my cat's milk, I found quite a large dead spider that had drowned in the milk. So I don't know. What do you think was going on there? Do you think it was a spider that was trying to uh, maintain its youth and like kind of a uh, an ancient like a Cleopatra style spider? Yeah, like a Greek fable, like a like an Icarus. <laughs>
0: Sort of thing. I'm just a really depressed spider. I just couldn't be bothered anymore. It's like, don't
1: jump it yeah, in there. Yeah, jumping milk. Unless, like, one of the cats killed it and then dropped I even it. i the milk. making
0: a web anymore. Yeah, I'm just. It's not coming out. Can't even do that anymore. I I can't, even,
1: can't even get it up to shoot any web anymore. What's the point? Um, right. So. what well, all of those uh, two? I would imagine. Uh, smoothly leads on to queuing. Brits across the UK will often be seen forming neat and tidy queues, which, to be fair, queuing is something which has come up. So it's not, I mean, it is very interesting, but it's been, But like, it is mentioned in pretty much all of the etiquettes that we've done from around the world. But normally, I think to warm Westerners now, they don't queue. Whether at a supermarket, train station or a concert, they will await their turn to the front. The worst mistake one could commit is cue jumping, pushing ahead of line. This will always be met by disapproval for those who've been waiting patiently. Fair enough. Being polite, mm-hmm. saying please and thank you are two important things to always remember in British etiquette. It doesn't matter who you're speaking to. Politeness, good manners, always welcome. Seems fine to me.
0: I mean, that is fine. But I think as well, again, there's a passive-aggressive thing with a lot of British people where they'll say please and thank you, almost obsessively. Yeah, thank saying, you. Oh, no, Exactly. I uh, Personally, work with my mum, and she had a really good one, which is like you know the British attitude is "fuck you, please." Mm. I don't like it when people say "Thanking you," thanking
1: you. So, yeah, I, bit... What, what are, you, are you? Are you narrating this
0: conversation? <laughs> are you commenting on your life as it's going along? <laughs> Walking away strange. now. <laughs> it's a bit of an affectation, isn't it? Yeah, but, I hate yeah. it. Uh,
1: tipping, Neil. How much do you tip? I'm a fifteen percent guy. Unless it's, um, unless it's a delivery, then I'll give them a couple of quids.
0: Yeah, it's a ton of 10, 15%. Um, it depends on, also, quite often. I mean, to be honest with you. They just add it now, anyway. They just add it on the service charge. I think it's normally 12.5%. If it's been really good service, I might throw a couple of quid on top as well. But, yeah. Because the thing is, you're normally in a group with other people, and other people aren't like. So, you know, I used to tip on top of the service charge, and I think people don't really do that anymore. But as I say, the service charge... Is yeah, now it. it's more of an opt-out thing, like organ donation. I mean, I've never opted out of service no. charges. It's ridiculous. Um, you're paying for service as well. Yeah, the
1: thing um, is, I'm always slightly concerned with stuff like that, that the restaurant's just keeping the money and giving them a bit extra or something, rather than the person who's actually provided the service getting the tip.
0: Well, it's different because I mean the thing is, at the end of the day, there's still minimum wage, and you don't—I don't believe they're allowed to um, to pay them less than minimum wage. No, I think the tips a, no, a, no. A in
1: America they do. It's weird, it's like tipping's no, part no, of the exactly. you wage. Can, but we, yeah, to... it's
0: part of your wage is the tips that you would do, do earn. So you have, which and is and you... such a scam. Just <laughs> scam. Well, I mean, I suppose one, what people would argue is it makes the. Um, Makes the food cheaper, but then you end up paying through the tip anyway. It's just, it's just a cultural more, isn't it? But um, yeah, but I would argue that just pay people a living wage. You should pay, yeah, should pay people a minimum wage, frankly. But um,
1: but anyway, here we go. Let's see if uh, if we agree with this. Sometimes even Brits find it difficult to know how much to tip a server in cafes and restaurants. Well, I think we've disproved that, or if they should tip anything at all. Always check your bill after the meal if it reads "sable service service not included, sorry, then that means you can leave a tip for the person that served you and the amount is at your discretion between 10 and 15%, I would say. I've added that myself. If the yeah. service was good, it's customary to, acts, to add an extra 10% on top of the bill total. I think that's cheap. Many Brits tip taxi drivers and hairdressers too, but the exact amount is customer's presence. Yeah, I preference, i just say round it up or whatever. If it's like a taxi, no, it's, it's like eight quid, just go, yeah, 10, don't worry about it.
0: I don't take taxes that often. They're quite expensive. No, anyway. Me sort of earning good money, frankly. So, but no, I'll, I'll top up. It'll, it'll normally be at least a quid. It, it, if the top up is like 5p or something, then I'll just throw another quid on top. But yeah, I would normally just round up to the nearest quid. It will normally be about a pound 50 or something like that, seems fair enough. And leave, the,
1: not and leave them, and obviously enough money for the cleaning.
0: <laughs> oh, so, yeah. You know, the copious amounts of vomiting, and urine, and, <laughs> and diarrhea that I've left behind me. That's about a pound 50. You clear that up, I would assume.
1: That's fine. There you go. I might say, you know, go and get yourself some anti antibacterial spray from Aldi. That's only 99p. You've got, you've got, 50, you've got 50p for your time as well. Beautiful. Ta-ta.
0: Everyone's a winner. <laughs> Using
1: mobile phones in public. Mobile phones may be part of daily life, but it's still important to observe some unwritten etiquette about these handheld devices. Using a mobile phone at a dinner table is considered impolite, as is speaking loudly when making a call, especially in public transport. But people do, but I would agree with all of that. So, seven, good sportsmanship. Mm-hmm. No, Nobody, the adjective goes, likes a bad loser. Sulking or arguing or complaining if you've lost at any form of competition is considered poor manners. Whether you've been outdone on the sports pitch or exceeded in the classroom, congratulate your opponent with good grace, no matter how upset you feel underneath. Right, and I agree with that. But what I would say is um, things do really trickle down. Because the last time I played a season for... And 11 aside team on Saturdays, which was, you know, what, eight years ago or something. Um, I found, and I hadn't played 11 aside for about 10 years before that. And I mm-hmm. found it fascinating because it used to be quite blood and thunder. And, mm-hmm. you know, like, but what it turned, what it's turned into is people just like claiming for everything, like they do in the Premier League. And it's yeah. so fucking irritating. You just want to punch them all out because <laughs> it's not like they're just going, ah, ah, and just like claiming for everything all the time and arguing with the ref and going, ah. like, even when it's really obviously you're throwing, yeah, like, yeah. or like just really pointless stuff. They're going, no, it's, Reva, yeah. it's like, fucking hell, who are these people? How do you look at your children in the eyes? Um, drunkenness, speaking of uh, no. Saturdays and league football. Depending on the situation, consuming alcohol is often fraught with do's and don'ts. Moderation is always advisable. Something harder oh, right. learned the hard way. And if you have consumed one drink too many, try to <laughs> avoid aggression over emotion or impoliteness. Yes, this means no crying. So Neil, you need to, you need to take heed on that.
0: A bit less weeping. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. When you, when you're, when you're on your mother's ruin. yeah on your gins oh they slip back so easy (laughs) uh and they're they're exotic aren't they
0: exactly yeah geneva
1: (laughs) they're from geneva that's where gins from swiss isn't it swiss drink uh chivalry chivalry and traditional etiquette guides still stand for instance holding a door open for a lady and standing up when one enters the room for the first time are all considered good manners for the men of Britain. Uh, holding the door open, yes, I don't stand when anyone enters the room.
0: So you got to stand when no, someone enters no. the
1: room. No, not doing that. Wouldn't even do it if a judge walked in the room. I'd rather be a consensus cult. Apologising, this is the last one. No guide to etiquette would be complete without mentioning the Brit's love of apologising. Although one would expect to say sorry for stepping on a shopper's toe or bumping into a passers-by, many will be surprised to find that when two Brits engage in a standoff, both will offer their apologies for being in the other's way. They don't care who's at fault. Apologising is a default reaction to many of life's little incidents. This is the quirk that Brits are famed for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
0: you tend to just apologise for random things.
1: Yeah. So there you go. Beautiful. That is our last ever etiquette, and we've gone all round the world and landed back upon this septadile <laughs> uh, <yeah.
0: laughs>
1: to learn stuff that we already knew.
0: Fantastic. Yeah, so yeah. how have you it's found hard. our etiquette journey, Neil? Um, reasonably common sense in most places. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't. I think. I think it's like anything, isn't it? It's you. You read up a little bit in terms of when you're going to go to a new country or something like that, just to make sure you don't make some faux pas. But uh, what I'm yeah, he- make-
1: what I'm hearing is, yes, I found it really useful, and I'm sure the listeners have. Well, thanks, Chris. That's what I heard.
0: In mean, fact, you want to interpret that? One <laughs> so,
1: Neil, we are doing quite a big, quite a big urban legend today. One which most people would have heard of, I think. But then again, I was thinking this earlier. I don't know how global it is. So,
0: well, it's 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 you know it's it's out of citrus, so it's you know it's truly fairly global. <laughs> I'm the captain. <laughs> um, so uh, yes, what are we doing? Yeah, today? I, I, I don't know how well, how well known it is. It's certainly something that again, my my benchmark tends to be if I've heard of them. I think I think this is it's been around for quite a long time. It's an enduring enduring story. Um, I think it's fairly well known, but we shall see. But uh, yeah, this is about the the, Mar- the Mary Celeste or the Mary Celeste, depending on uh, where you where you picked it up from. Um, and we used to, when I was a kid, we used to have these books of kind of like uh, mysteries and legends and all of this sort of thing. Um, and I remember that being one of the ones in there that was kind of like a bit more of a um, bit more of an interesting one because you know it was it was a bit more true to life. So all these unexplained. So what I know about the Mary Celeste, which I'll oh. just I'll.
1: I'll uh, put this out, and then you sure can, on, yeah. and then you can let me know. We'll, we'll go through and see see how wrong yeah. I am. So, what I know, it's a ship which was found adrift. For some reason, I had a false memory that it was off the south coast of England, but I don't think that's right. Um, it was some, so it's in the Atlantic, I guess. Uh, and it's still all the crew had gone, all of but. It was all kind of still laid out, like they'd just disappeared suddenly. So like they still had like dinner plates and, you know, hot cup of coffee where you go, ah, oh, he was recently here, but like there's still a cigarette burning in the ashtray, <laughs> a guillot, yeah. a gillion. Uh, and all the, it was, a, it was like a cargo ship and I think all the cargo was there. So they were like, well, it wouldn't have been pirates because they would have had the cargo. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that's, about it, apart from people
0: think there's probably aliens or the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, aliens, the Triangle. Some people do say pirates, but as you say, the um, they would have taken some. Yeah, I mean stuff. that's not that's not far far off the truth. To be honest with you, it's not. I mean, or, or it's so there is a compelling mystery here. So it's it's kind of part urban legend, part part mystery. This one, urban myth. I don't know, yeah. Part of a myth, part part sort of mystery, because um, I mean, they, they, we, we are we trying... are
1: we are stretching the boundaries of our remit, calling it an urban legend, and in fact, it's a nautical myth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, it's not a myth. I mean, it it, yeah. it, it absolutely happened. Um, but there's a lot of. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's kind of been laid over the top. So someone's phone was still charging. There, uh, like also, <laughs> yeah, phone was still charging. Uh, someone had left. Yeah. There, was a, there was a
1: soda stream, half used. Because
0: the TV, TV was still on. <laughs> TV was still on, but it was giving weird bursts of static. There was a, there was a, um, oh, there was a blender a- making margaritas that was still churning. <laughs> there was, the so, there, was slowly someone had, there was someone had
1: paused a match of FIFA. Uh, I imagine, 2016, like, paused it halfway through the second half, as if they were just going to the toilet.
0: So, <laughs> yeah, just, just as they come across the state, what could have possibly been? So, in actual fact, so it, this was in 1873, give or take, I think. 150
1: years ago, Neil.
0: Yeah, more or less, more or less. Um, yeah, coming up to that. Um All right. <laughs> I wonder if they'll do something... <laughs> been too literal there. Uh, I'm wondering if they'll do something to uh to mark the uh we should 50th anniversary. We should don't
1: so, be isn't that when we're doing our first Urban Legend uh cruises? <laughs> like yeah. um which is gonna be like um whatever his name was, uh McCaffrey who uh the guy who went mad um, the antiviral yeah uh, who, and McAfee McAfee yeah uh, he um, disappeared off on a boat for a bit didn't he just doing loads of bath salts with machine guns
0: <laughs> I'm not sure he's. But he, yeah he, he did he killed himself now. Sure we say he was displaying a lot of erratic behaviour yeah he's passed now isn't he I believe mm. but uh, yeah it's a strange tour.
1: Or, or, like or maybe like the Sea Org we could do it we
0: do our tour yep yeah, yeah very, very much like that sort of a by, you know, if you have your own private navy, is always a good thing, I think. So, I mean, yeah. So, I think that's, couple, that's a good of rubber I mean, take together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're going to have quite the same um, financial backing as uh, everyone had. Too soon, to, too soon to say. That's true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's one of these ones where I say it's kind of like halfway between urban myth and um, kind of like a bit, sort of a, a true mystery because there is, you know, there, there is a true um a true ship but it was or there is there is a true story here yeah. um but a lot of the stuff has been embellished so to sort of take up some of the points i think the jumping off point is probably just to sort of like introduce um some of those elements you've just mentioned and where some of them might have come from and then sort of go back a little bit over the true story of the the ship so um the mary celeste for example that's actually it's the mary celeste so the yeah. mary celeste is um something that come from a story by arthur and doyle he was a twenty five year old ship surgeon at the time and he wrote a um about ten years later he wrote a um uh, for a, mag- a short story for a magazine um and that, that it kind of feels like a lot of the stuff that had come from that the whole idea that it's, i think this has now become a cliche and i suspect that this is again the kind of ground zero for this kind of story yeah. a bit like we were talking about the other day um the other week around um the amateurville house you know introducing some things like the the haunted burial ground and all of that sort of thing, it's become a bit of a cliche. But yeah, that whole um sort of trope that you've got now of, you know, everyone's mysteriously vanished. Yeah. Um, or you know, there's been mysterious vanishing of all of these people and that you know, the the coffee's still warm and all of that sort of, all that sort of jazz. So that's not really um quite true. So how but did actually, how
1: did you differentiate between the name Mary and
0: Mary? Was it with two R's? Um, he just, uh, instead of M-A-R-Y, he did M-A-R-I-E. Oh, okay. So Mary, rather oh, okay. Mary. So he was basically trying to sort of like distance. He was, he was wanting to build on some, on a true story, but actually, you know, make it clear it was fiction. So, but actually, I mean, I, I used to think it was called the Mary Celeste as well, because it's become intertwined. twilight. Yeah. But it, actually, even before he wrote his short story. So this is, um, a quote from the Los Angeles Times, um, that retold the story in 1883. Every sail was set, the tiller was lashed fast, not a rope was out of place, the fire was burning in the galley, the dinner was standing untasted and scarcely cold, the log written up to the hour of her discovery. Um now that's all basically untrue. Right. Um well, you can't, so the can't, log hadn't been updated can't. for about nine days and there wasn't a load of like meals sitting there ready to be. From then like
1: from then till up to the present day, you cannot trust the LA Times.
0: Yeah. The Express had some sort of slightly dodgy take on it as well. Was it, was it, was it um, Princess
1: Diana believe, found on? Yeah, Mary it was Celeste. basically
0: Princess Diana. They were still, they were even back before she existed. They were banging on about Princess Diana and uh, looking forward to it, into her. So let's talk a little bit then about, um, you know, what what actually did happen, and there's a there's a lot of interesting theories about, what what might what happened. And, I don't think there's really a definitive one. Every so often, this is one of those ones where somebody claims to have solved it. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't really think uh, there's a couple of theories that will come into. But so we'll go through the theories and then we'll have a think about you know whether they're outlandish or whether they're sort of a bit more believable. Um, so, firstly, you know, from the start, in some quarters, you could say that the Mary Celeste could it have been a cursed ship? So it was it was launched in May sixty one under a British registry. So it was built in Canada, right. in Nova Scotia. Um and on its initial voyage to carry lumber to England, the captain became ill, the ship turned around, and he died shortly afterwards. And death at sea was very rare, of course. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well it, No exactly. And it there's one of those ones where, you know, for some people it's like, Oh, you know, was it was it was it was it an omen of things to come? But um actually it's um well, Nova yeah, is quite
1: spooky, isn't it? New Scotland, that's quite a spooky area.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you take the um... Viking stuff there,
1: there's, um, yeah. the I think, the, the Skull Island from the History 2 documentary series. I think that's from, and I think the Temp- no, they
0: have an idea that the Templar Knights might have gone there. I think that's in Nova Scotia. Oh, really? I was thinking of that weird um episode of Dark Place where he's clearly got something against Scottish. People. All right, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I should just point out here actually I'm just uh, I'm having reading out some of the um it's quite a good summary from a chap called Mike Sorota. So I just give him a shout out to Mike Mikey if you want to check out other um bits and pieces. I'll be jumping around from various different um sources between this and but uh, just to uh, shout out for the... Jumping around
1: like a Chinese vampire,
0: Neil. Indeed, yeah, they love to hop. It's part of their fun. Um, So they had a... a, It was called the Amazon at this point when it had originally been built, um, and it had a load of other problems. The number of collisions, uh, including one on the English Channel, um, resulted in the sinking of a brig, um, and then a storm drove it ashore on Cape Breton Island off of Nova Scotia, and they abandoned it as a wreck. And then eventually got sold and rebuilt um, in America, mm. and this is when it actually became the Mary Celeste. Um, they appointed a new captain, Benjamin Briggs, who's one of the investors. And they were going to take a load of denatured alcohol um, across from New York, and it's not telling me where they were sending it to. Anyway, they were they were basically um, going to take a load of denatured alcohol. What's denatured alcohol? Uh, meth, basically. Meth. So where where you've you've, you've uh, Added something so that it's not not drinkable. Oh, okay. Um, to presumably, so you don't have to pay the, um, the taxes on it. Or, because normally, normally, alcohol is um, quite heavily taxed yeah. in most places. If it's, it's for consumption, but if it's not for consumption, so it's, it's for, food, like, it's for
1: so medical much. stuff. Then maybe.
0: Um, no, be. I guess it would be for use for sort of like industrial solvents and things like that. Ooh. So, I don't know, cleaning right. and stuff like that. Because not push you're that cleaner. high down the road. <laughs> yeah so that they you know yeah as i said yeah like meth that like you used to clean clean methylated spirits yeah yeah that that kind of thing so not sure they're going to be using it for but uh um yeah so it was it was the captain um the family and seven experienced baroners um so not mess quite a small crew it's quite a small crew yeah it's quite interesting you know and it's not a huge ship but um yeah, there's not, not a load of them on there. Oh, I thought it was
1: like a galley.
0: Yeah, well, this is one of the other things, because you tend to think of it as being, having had, like, you know, when you think of a ship, you're thinking of maybe hundreds of people knocking about and they've all disappeared, but actually it's a yeah. much smaller crew, actually makes it a lot more um, meaningful as well. Um, so that was the last anyone had heard of them, basically, because um, they came out of port on November the 7th, and it was found on December the 5th, um, it was sailing between the Azores and the Portuguese coast. I think it was about a thousand miles off the yeah, Portuguese coast. Yeah,
1: that's miles away
0: the Azores and yeah. Portuguese coast. Um. So it was spotted by I think it was a British ship and um, blew it up. <laughs> he sent out. Yeah, they started talking. No, I don't think there was a, the, those problems at that time. Um. So he sent his first and second mate to check it out. They searched all of the ship and reported back to the captain. There wasn't a trace of the um of the uh, the captain of the 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 Mary Celeste, his wife or his daughter, all the seven crewmen. It was a ghost ship. Mm. What they did find, the lifeboat was gone, and some sails and rigging were damaged or missing. The main hatch was closed, but two others were open. Um, they couldn't find the navigational instruments. So, I mean, it sounds like they fucked off in the boat. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. So, well, there's that thing as today, well, isn't there, the-
1: where, um which I learned from the TV show Black Sails, that you can get a bit where there's just no wind at all if you're on a sailing ship and you can just sit there for weeks in the calm. And it like that's pretty much one of the most dangerous things
0: that can happen to a ship. I mean, that would be on a much longer voyage, I guess, but no, no, it's in the middle of the Atlantic. That's fair enough, I suppose. But yeah, how how long do you want? Boat to Pluto. Fair enough. Um, yeah, they call it the doldrums as well. Yeah, the doldrums. Know that word. Yeah, but um, yeah, no. That if you run out of water, that can be extremely um, yeah, extremely dangerous. But I, I think they did have plenty of provisions on the ship yeah. at the time, so there's not there's no evidence that they were sort of running out of water or something like that. So something made them abandon ship by the looks of yeah. it. So what 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 there isn't. So you 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 you'll read some of the theories, and there's kind of like oh. You know, everyone just suddenly vanished, like well, you know, it's aliens, just yeah. uh, snatched them up or something like that. Actually, it looks like it was abandoned. Yeah. But actually it would have been quite rare to abandon a ship. because uh, even if you're in the I mean, all right, even if you're in the doldrums, normally you would you know, you might um, you know, take a to lifeboat but then try and row the ship away a little bit or something like that. It's, well I guess um, the
1: thing is as well, um <laughs> you know, there was plenty of provisions there. These were presumably quite busy shipping lanes so the likelihood is someone would turn up at some point so you'd probably wait yeah. until the very last minute before banning ship and also the captain was one of the investors so it's not like yeah. ah fuck it like someone else can deal with it no, unless he was doing an no, insurance no, exactly. job or something
0: well also you're much safer on a ship that's like provisioned and everything than yeah. you are on a, on a lifeboat because all right yeah you can row under your own steam and go a bit faster um if they're well, i don't there's no evidence that they were in doldrums or anything, but um, yeah, even if you were under that condition, you'd probably be better off waiting for somebody to find. Yeah, because you've
1: got you know you've got shade, you've got provisions, yeah, um, and you're in the shipping lanes, and you're more likely to be spotted a bigger a bigger ship, even though it was smaller than I thought than in a rowing boat.
0: Yeah, and so you know, it looks like they they jumped ship at some point, but actually, you know, there's there's no real sort of. Um, because the fact that I mean this is where everyone sort of talks about it having you know um, you know the food still being warm and all of that sort of stuff. Well, no, clearly they'd taken some navigational equipment, so they had actually they had to abandon ship somehow for some reason. But you know that's that's where it becomes a bit more of a mystery. Um, so anyway, they, they've t- they've taken it in um, to, to it to Gibraltar and put in a salvage claim, um, and they I'm having the that. judge, had, yeah. Well, you, I think that's the law of the sea, yeah. isn't it? If you find it's to encourage people to bring these things back because there's a certain amount of danger bringing back another ship, you, you will get some um, some money back for them. I can't remember how the, the split works, but I think you can... Um, well, then I guess
1: the question turns up is, did the people from this ship just kill all the people on that <laughs> ship and then take well, it for salvage? You no
0: know, the judge was very much of the the opinion that, um, that, that something funny must have happened. Yeah um so a lot of people believe that they were crime must have been committed I think um this. 10 people disappearing um but they couldn't actually prove anything because the um it had been abandoned and, and left in a life so there was um i think the sea the found, sea
1: keeps itself to itself knows how to keep its knows how to keep its mouth shut
0: yeah so i mean i think when they actually did do the um the initial evidence so there, there was a suspicion of foul play um and there was the judge some chap called flood which is a good name <laughs> to have if you're in sort of nautical stuff <laughs> um but so there were a couple of things where yeah they, they thought that they might have been an attack um there was some blood on the um, on the sword of the um the captain and there was some it was from shaving. <laughs> Yeah, there've been some, st- yeah, there've been some, st- or what looked like might have been blood, um, and then there had been some like marks on the side. I mean, of the ship. You, you, I so, mean,
1: you're really phoning it in as a murderer if you sail for weeks and weeks and go into court and hand in your sword without
0: wiping the blood off. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's not, <laughs> not exactly. To oh, work, I knew there was
1: something I forgot. <laughs>
0: But for years, it did dog them. So in 31, there was an article in a a magazine called The Courtly Review that suggested that the uh, Morehouse could have lain in wait for them. Uh, Lord Briggs and his crew aboard the Delgratia and killed them there. Um, It's slightly... um, I mean, there's no real evidence for that, though, and they they were in a slower ship, so they couldn't have sort of caught up for them. You know, it doesn't seem massively likely that it'd be... um, Another thing is some people have thought that they might have been partners, like the the captain of the Mary and. Captain of the other oh. um, ship might have been partners in the conspiracy to share salvage. Well, I may be getting insurance to... as
1: well because he
0: was one of the business partners. I mean, how much? Well, it was involved. It was involved in an insurance scam afterwards. Actually, yeah, how much money are you so... making
1: shipping white spirit around the globe? <laughs> not much, don't think. <though. laughs> you know? I mean, you can get it. Yeah, you can I, get I, it in B and Q for a quid for a liter now. So you know, it's not it's not high end stuff.
0: No, but then again, I mean, the salvage, you're just going to get the cost of the ship and the the, the cargo anyway, so... Yeah, but, but I mean, that's... I don't if I... if he was... So if the captain was
1: one of a consortium of people who had invested to buy this ship, right, and it's a ship with a cheque had passed, like, right, you know, or was it a cursed ship and all that, then he buys, like, one-fifth of the ship, say, and they insure yeah. it, and then he meets with his mate. They go and salvage a ship for the cost of the ship and the cost of the contents, plus the insurance money, he's quids in.
0: Well, they didn't, they didn't claim on insurance because he wasn't around to claim insurance. But what about the other so, investors? Like um, don't, don't know about that, but then that would have been their own scam, wouldn't it? It wouldn't have benefited the captain, so.
1: Yeah, that's true. But I mean, still, half a ship, if you invested in one-fifth of a ship or a tenth of a ship and you get half a ship worth of money back, that's, um. I mean, I would have thought
0: that's the kind of thing that you would um, you would be doing in your nefarious activities. It's, it's just so there's easier ways to do it. But now, I mean, as other people commented, if they'd been planning that sort of scam, they wouldn't have devised such a attention during mystery and. Also, there's the fact that nobody ever heard from Briggs, this captain. Again, there's no bad ideas. I'm just
1: throwing throwing around a few
0: ideas. You're just throwing things around, right, but just just you know, just explaining why some of them may be less likely. Um, and there's also been a, a you know suggestion that they could have been attacked by pirates. Um, but as people have observed, the personal possessions of the captain and crew were left undisturbed. Mm-hmm. So there was also a theory by a historian. I mean, in they would take their personal possessions
1: if it might. I mean, depending on what they were. I mean, if it's your personal jukebox, fair enough, leave it. But if it's like
0: a pocket watch and a brooch, then you would think you'd probably take it. Well, they probably took the the immediate stuff that they could, but you're not going to overload a a lifeboat with stuff that you're only going to take what you can absolutely afford to take. You'll probably, I would imagine, if you're bailing ship at that point, you're more interested in bringing water and provisions along than anything else. That's going to be more, you know, um, because, you know, you aren't necessarily going to survive, but they thought they weren't too far away from land. Um, so yeah, you're not going to be bringing anything particularly right. heavy. Um, but there, but there, was, there was still stuff knocking around on the ship that, that basically could have been robbed. So it doesn't it doesn't feel like pirates is a particularly um, obvious thing is. And then a historian saying 1925 just seems to have made this up completely out of his ass. But he suggested that the captain slaughtered everyone on board and then killed himself in a fit of religious mania. but after speaking to his family, he apologised and withdrew. The <laughs> in the later edition. Well, also none of the bodies were found so good, good research there well no exactly yeah and it's and, and when they actually sort of like did some looking later on there was there was no real no, signs of blood that's just that. like, do you know what that was, is that's that's was...
1: temperance movement talk that's <laughs> what that is so pirates seem unlikely then um neil have you did you ever uh, think about becoming a pirate or fantasize about that when you're a kid or in fact a member of the temperance movement um no, not a member the Temperance Unit. Um, Temperance Unit, that's the Militant Army. Temperance <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Unit. Yeah. A clash with the Countryside Alliance.
0: Um, <laughs> I can imagine that'd be havoc. Yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like, um, read some of the stories about pirates when you're a kid, it seemed like quite an enticing life. It, uh, the problem is, it um, you know, it's. Modern piracy—it's just not uh, as exciting as it's not like that sort of Jack Sparrow stuff, is it, or Bluebeard, or any of that. What sort of I like about pirates just, is you know,
1: they were very vote. egalitarian and they weren't racist, and you know, the people had like people, no matter who they were, had a vote. It was it was <clears throat> a very sturdy and early version of like a proper modern democracy. What what pirates did—they mm. um, were they were pretty woke for the 18th century. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's good. Yeah, no. That's nice. I mean, obviously going around murdering <laughs> people for stuff isn't Isn't great.
0: Isn't great. No, absolutely. Um, but, you know, but, one of those one of those things. There's always Just, something
1: um, romantic about little guys sticking it to the man or, you know, as it was at the time, the uh, imperial powers, I guess.
0: Yeah, and if you're sort of like, you know, raiding stuff like, I mean, I think that was why they did on those um, Pirates of the Caribbean movies had a sort of East India company because it's quite easy to cast them as bad guys, so. Actually, you can sort of like yeah, you can. I mean, I think probably it was probably short-lived life, but yeah, just the um, there's something quite romantic about. What um, always always shocks me thing. is
1: how small the ships actually were. Because you think of like galleons mm. and stuff, and you think of them as massive, don't you? Like whew, like buildings on water, but they're actually tiny. Like really, you know, people are really crammed into those spaces. You might have a crew of seventy-five people, but I mean they're living cheap to jowl. It's it's not like a big ship. They're pretty small. And the pirates would have smaller ships even than merchant ships, because obviously maneuverability and speed was more important than, you know, uh firepower, really.
0: No, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, basically if you were coming across like um, an official ship, you probably wanted to run off rather than try and get engaged in sort of like, you know, gunfire, one would imagine, or from what I've read of kind of these kind of things. But uh, yeah, no absolutely. Well they just they really only had enough room to sort of slim a hat, sling up a hammock didn't they they? Because it was very, very yeah. crowded. But if you was seen Master and Commander. I haven't but my uncle
1: Rob, who I've mentioned in this before, was in it.
0: Yes, he was he was the uh, one, one of the captains. I forget the chap's name now, but yeah, it's um he, I think he was the Master of Sailor. Maybe. Like, yeah. I've not seen it, even though he's in it. We're not, as we are saying, you know, the, the court, there was always this unproven um, thing that there might have been some funny business. So the um, the court did actually uh, award salvage claim to Morehouse. Um, the captain had sort of had found the ship, but it was barely one-fifth the estimated value because they were still a bit sort of suspicious that something might happen because they couldn't prove anything. Um, I don't you know, know how to sort do of like, that. Well, I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, they, it's a it's a judgment, isn't it? So it's by the, you know.
1: Yeah, but I mean, you know, can
0: you make a judgment based on,
1: and obviously, I'm a bit sensitive about this topic, based on your feelings rather than evidence.
0: <laughs> Apparently so. Apparently so. I mean, I, I'm presumably they could have. Um, uh, what do you call it? They could have. Uh, it. Know, yeah, fight against it or whatever. I'm Not sure
1: what. Well, I would almost say that legal avenues would have been. But... If they could have and they didn't, then that to me puts more suspicion on them.
0: Yeah, but then again, I think it's probably when you're looking back in those kind of days is that, you know, the, the old boy network and all the rest of it, they probably would have just backed each other up. So yeah. I doubt you'd be on a hiding for very much. It's Especially not like Gibraltar. Sort of yeah. So I'm not, I'm not sure you would have got much. The Knights of Gibraltar, of that you know, that's a secret order. Yeah, exactly. Um, so so basically what we've got is, that you know, a ship that has been abandoned. Um, I mean, that's indisputable. Um They've never seen, you know, they they never uh, found the people who'd who'd gone missing ever since. So that sort of then leaves us to kind of think about what the different, um, you know, theories might be. So as I say, there there, has been various theories about there might have been some foul play. So I mean, one of the one of the thoughts was that because they were carrying alcohol, that they might have, um, you know the the crew might have been drinking that and then decided to attack the captain yeah. or something like that but all this... spirits. well exactly and it's like you know it doesn't take into account the fact that they just would have just been drinking meth. so you know it doesn't there's, there's absolutely no real evidence for a, a piracy piracy attack or um, or anything else so you know we can we can sort of look at some of the more weird sort of theories so one of the um there are some sort of thoughts that there might have been some kind of natural phenomenon. I mean, you talked about the um, the alien abductions and 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 other things. Um, so that's one thing that's been posited, I think. But it's not. Why really would they take abductions.
1: the? Why would they take the boat? The
0: uh, lifeboat? What would aliens have taken? Out? Exactly. It doesn't. You know, they clearly clearly sort of like um, did actually abandon the ship. So of course, of
1: what I would say is. If I were the people who had come along and killed them all up, I would have got rid of the nautical equipment and the lifeboat, and said, "Oh well, it looks like they just abandoned it and went off somewhere."
0: Oh, there you go, wouldn't you? You would, and that's the thing is, you can you know you can never truly know, can you, with some of these things? Another theory that's been um, put across has been that um, they may have been attacked by a giant squid, the Kraken. Yeah as rex or whatever it's called It's not rex. It's um, ducks, perhaps. Um, so you, you can get; um, they can grow up to sort of like about twenty foot in length, I think. Oh, okay. and,
1: um Like the proper, the, the proper deep yeah. sea ones, yeah, massive.
0: Oh, but the ones that come up to the surface, I don't know why. Well, well they, they come they up they have to,
1: been like, sometimes to die or like under really weird circumstances because they like to stay right at the bottom of the sea, don't they? Yeah, no,
0: the really big ones. But I think there are there are ones. Um, that, that can actually—they've been known to not not necessarily attack ships, but sort of interact with ships, or sort of well, I mean, call it attack if you like. Um, so, so that has happened before. But it's—and I think there have been cases where, like, a person has been sort of like knocked off of a ship by one of these creatures, but um, not like the whole crew necessarily. So, that, and again, there's no real evidence for the giants, for that. just giant squids, giant sea monsters um, attacking.
1: Yeah, well, you um, you get them around. Mm-hmm. You do get them around around the Azores. So, mm-hmm. what are you going to do? <clears throat> um, but yeah, they don't normally, they don't normally attack humans, do they?
0: No, you wouldn't have thought that they get. I mean, I think um, from things I've read before, if they were uh, a sh- you know, if they 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 thought it was you know like something that they would. They might mistake the ship for a uh, for another squid or something like or that. Or like and, a whale, because
1: yeah. they attack whales. Yeah,
0: or a whale. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, because they go after. In October sort of
1: 2019, a nine-meter, 30-foot giant squid washed ashore in Galicia, Spain. Mm. Previously uh, photographed alive shortly before its death by a tourist named Javier Onidicol. Uh indicated that the squid was attacked and mortally wounded by another giant
0: squid. Hmm. Squid rage. Oh yeah, here we go. Yeah, the giant squid can reach fifty foot in length and have been known to attack ships. So could conceivably have picked up a crew member, but hardly have taken the the um, the lifeboat and all of the captain's navigation um, instruments.
1: No, but I mean, it could have attacked
0: the. The, what, so they're saying that they the it yeah, could
1: have attacked the lifeboat thinking it was it
0: could have attacked the ship, but it might have, yeah. I mean, it's that's potential as well as they could have, but then what, why did they that still doesn't explain why they got on the lifeboat in the first instance? Fancy little row, little row yeah, about with, with, all of the, with all of the navigational instruments,
1: yeah. So you get back to the ship. Well, no, that's just being that's just being safe, isn't it, in case something happens. You know, the problem we wouldn't The problem is that, um, because of technology, captains in those days were no longer able to navigate by the stars. So, you know, too reliant on technology.
0: Too reliant on technology, yeah. It's Like all their smartphones, these exactly. Days, isn't
1: it? exactly. No one can get anywhere. You know, what if Google Maps goes down? You're dead, aren't you? You just die in the street. You don't know where to food.
0: <laughs> I'm going to help you then.
1: Whereas, um, whereas as you know, to... I always carry a pocket sundial with me.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Just want to know what. Time it is. <laughs> you, you and Ray Mears, yeah, me and Ray Mears, yeah. I might go to a few of I'm his uh, bushcrafts uh, retreats every now and then, eat some squirrel, but nice. You know, at the end of the day, should England be thrown back into the Stone Age? i you know, everyone's going to be knocking on my door. So, uh,
0: I think it's it's not if, but when. To be honest with when, you,
1: when when we get, yeah, well, you know, as soon as you
0: run out of fossil fuels. <laughs> I mean, yeah, already we're getting petrol shortages. So I'm going to become Ferrar within about 12 months, I would say. Well,
1: that'd be good, wouldn't it?
0: I mean, we'll go through the Mad Max period first.
1: I Again, that'd be good.
0: It's a slightly more polite version. Is right? that
1: why you got yourself sewing so with your Regella's motorcycle gang for the Mad Max? Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. you're always thinking ahead.
0: I'm collecting all of the, uh, you know, all the special outfits. What a problem. We, we want can't the future to look as much like can't With it. the giant squid yeah. on the back. BDSM club as possible. (laughs) post apocalypse. Um, And the British Journal of Astrology has described the Mary Celeste story as a mystical experience connecting it with the Great Pyramid of Giza, the Lost Continent of Atlantis, and the British Israel movement. Oh, I'm not quite sure where they're going there.
1: (laughs) Is it that Britain is the new Israel, and that's why Jesus did walk upon this sceptered land or whatever?
0: That Jerusalem. Song. Apparently, no, just, the British Israelism is a belief that the people of the British Isles are genetically, racially, and linguistically the direct descendants of the ten lost tribes of ancient yeah. Israel. Which Fair one? Enough. All ten, I guess. All ten of them.
1: Uh, there you go. British royal family, well, we knew this anyway, because we learned, if anyone's not in England, we learned this in school, that the British royal family... It's, it's not supported by modern research. doesn't matter. Tradition, it's tradition. It's yeah. tradition. Um, yeah, so we all believe, you know, to a man, even me and Neil who are skeptics, um, by nature, we all do hundred percent believe that the British Royal Family is directly descended from
0: the line of King David, the guy in the Bible. Absolutely. Right, let's let's run through some other bits and pieces. So the Bermuda Triangle has been invoked as well, even though that it was like in a completely different part of the Atlantic. But who knows how far the Bermuda Triangle could extend? Long as long as it won't strong wind um and i like this summary from wiki it's a uh, similar fantasies have considered theories of abduction by aliens in flying saucers so yeah we, as we were saying earlier you know there's mm-hmm. absolutely no reason to assume that aliens would have been involved so i think now we can look at some of the um couple of theories about what might have happened um not as interesting sadly but hey um one is around um the fact that the pump had been um had been sort of uh pulled apart a little bit um there was a thought that actually what might have happened is that th- they thought the chronometer chronometer was faulty and they might have gone off course um so they were west of where they should have been and then they might have like sort of panicked about <laughs> not being able to sight like, land um but that wouldn't make you abandon ship. But what what also had happened is that the um they'd had the the pumps refitted recently, and that there was there was likely some clogging of the pumps, so that they couldn't make the um couldn't make the um pump out the ship properly. Um, so with the pumps not working, they might have decided to abandon ship. Um, but there although that again seems like a little bit of a drastic one. And then there's a there's a chemist from UCL that did an experiment in 2006, which possibly is a bit more plausible. Where, you know, there was a, there was a lot of talk about uh, quite, cause it, cause it was quite volatile, the cargo. So you've got this alcohol, um, on there and that would have been like leaking through the barrels and things. So, you know, you'll get few yeah, things I like mean, that. that. Um, but, but because there was no sign of fire or explosion, you know, it always been ruled out as if there'd been any kind of like, um, something, you know, like somebody might have been smoking a pipe or there might have just been a spark gone off in the hold or something like that that could have caused an explosion that caused them to abandon ship because there was no sign of fire. Um, that was that was sort of ruled out. Yeah. But,
1: um
0: they did, an ex- they did an experiment for a Channel Five documentary. Ooh. There's your um, uh,
1: this is the... there's your sign of quality.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, to be fair, it's a a, a chemist from UCL, so Dr. Andreas Seller. Um, so they built a replica of the Holder of the Mary Celeste and used butane gas to simulate an explosion. Um, they used they sort of built all of this out of paper, um, but they set light to the gas, got a huge blast, which sent a ball of flame upwards. Um, but there was no burning or blackening of the replica hold. Mm. So what they said was this was like a pressure wave explosion. And um, so you got a spectacular wave of flame, but it was, you know, it didn't actually heat up that much. So it didn't create any or, um, or any burning or scorching, but that would have very much, you know, been like, felt like an explosion if you're on the ship. So it could have blown open the hatches and, um, and it would have terrified everyone on board. So, you know, and so that could have been just somebody being careless or it could have just been like yeah. a spark in the hold or something like that. So, um, yeah, because they'd, they'd had 300 gallons of alcohol had leaked, so that could have created quite a terrifying explosion. Um, so, you know, that's, I mean, the problem is with a, with a lot of these things though, you're never going to be able to properly solve it. So, there's, you know, it fits, it fits the facts, but, uh, yeah, who knows? Well, what, does it,
1: I mean, the,
0: I mean, the fact that's, well, yeah, because, you, I mean, if you if you had an explosion on the ship, you know, you might you might think you're about to suddenly sort of like go down, and then you know, get everyone on on board a lifeboat. And then, but there was nothing to put, and there was nothing to show there was an explosion. Was there? No, there wasn't. But what they've demonstrated is that they, they could have been without damaging anything, and have been a similar an explosion similar to the conditions on the ship. It wouldn't have left any traces. That sounds like a weird explosion. Explosions always leave some traces. Well, no, this is what they've demonstrated with the so, cluster experiments. So they built a mo- they built a model. They used butane to to uh, replicate an explosion. Got a big explosion, but because well, so,
1: it was a, so 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 an explosion to me is a fast moving, fast like gas moving really quickly.
0: Yeah, it's gas expanding yeah. very rapidly. But then surely
1: yeah. it would have knocked the tables around and stuff.
0: I mean yeah i mean i don't know it, it, well no because what you're probably i mean i, I imagine what you're ha- what's happening is it would just it would have exploded would have blown open the hatches on the hold um so it wouldn't necessarily have rocked the entire ship would it it's because because you think about it you've got the, your your weak point it's a bit like if you have you know firing a bullet out of a gun the, the gas all escapes out of the, the the open entrance doesn't it so all of the the pressure would have gone onto the the holds which would have broken open and then all of the air and stuff would have come out through there, I guess, or well, the gas would have come out through okay. there. Anyway, it's they, they simulated it and they found that there could have been an explosion on ship and it would have been consistent with um, you know, with not leaving any any sort of real marks, which is because two of the holds uh, the the main hold was actually closed down, but two of the um ancillary hold doors were actually open. So there you go. It's a possibility. It is. I'm skeptical about it though. Yeah, then this is the thing. It's, you know, it's a mystery. So, I mean, what seems fairly likely is that, you know, they definitely, you know, they've abandoned ship probably in fairly good order, but what caused them to abandon ship? That's what sort of like you never know. And that's what, you know, makes it, makes it a sort of compelling mystery because why, why did they abandon ship? Well, I guess we'll never truly know.
1: Sorry. I'm just looking at a, uh, a map, a, a sort of a flow chart of how the, all the kings and queens of Europe are related. <laughs>
0: oh, really? It's a pretty close pretty close club. <laughs> yes, they've really needed to get in some fresh blood for, for quite a while. I mean, I mean that's why it was good, getting in the likes of Diana and stuff, but, and then obviously Meghan. But um, yeah, they... they and they, Kate. In, in future, don't forget Kate, like, Queen, new Queen of Hearts. Oh, of course, Kate. Oh, the commoner, yeah. Ugh,
1: disgusting. Yeah,
0: The thing is... People seem to like having a monarch in England. I don't know why. Some do. Some do. Well, the majority. The majority. Uh, yeah, but I think that's the same as... I'm not a fan,
1: personally. I don't care, to be honest.
0: No, I'm, I'm not bothered. The thing by is, right, maybe. there's the
1: whole thing about... Because um, I looked into the financing aspect of it, um, because people go, oh, do you know, do they cost us money, or do they not, and blah, blah, blah. The thing is, what they get they don't cost anything, actually produce money. And it's not because of tourist money or anything. It's because the money which they get from, well, to be fair, you know, it's all property is theft and stuff, but the money that the Crown Estates earns is paid into the Exchequer. They get a stipend from that. But the majority of it just goes into the Exchequer to go on taxes and stuff. So, I mean, if you were to strip them of the Crown Estates and stuff, yeah, fair enough. Like, then then they would cost us money, but they you know, under law at the moment, what their holdings are actually is a massive net gain for the exchequer. So
0: in terms of them paying, and that's why it was sensible when they decided to start paying tax. I can't remember if it happened in the 90s or something, but, um, but yeah, the actual, yeah, I I, but the actual, working. but it's not
1: just tax, the actual money produced by, by that all goes into the exchequer and they get, a, they get a percentage of it, which is like yeah, 5% or something. So, you know, but again, yeah, I mean, I don't care either way. I think, it, I think,
0: no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not overly bothered, and I think you know the argument would be, you know, if you just sold it all off, it would just get, it just get end up in someone else's pocket. It would just, be yeah. A Jeff Bezos thing. would just
1: buy it all. Yeah, I'd turn it into turn into one big Amazon warehouse,
0: Amazon, Pires. which we
1: have to live in. Yeah. <laughs> yes, the Amazon, the Amazon ghettos. Just say it, no, just everyone just live in an Amazon warehouse.
0: Only, only a matter of time for that. Happens yeah, anyway. It really is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, uh, you know, I'm assuming it'll be claiming eminent domain over all of it. <laughs> well, you know, Charlie Brooker, if you um, all become Amazon partners, Charlie thing. Brooker,
1: if you're listening, uh, you know, just credit with credit me with the idea of in the future everyone living on site or within an Amazon warehouse, and they get their. They you know have little house they have their houses within the warehouse, and they have to work delivering stuff to other people to get their stuff delivered to them, etc. Yeah. It's not a fully formed idea, mate, but there's a kernel of something there. So crack on.
0: <laughs> you sure, so, so someone can work that up into a business case. <laughs> take, take it to the TSP. That's What you pay them all that money for, surely?
1: You see, that's the difference between me a naive person and you a geopolitical uh surfer i thought of it as a dystopian concept for a black mirror episode you thought of it as a business opportunity
0: well you know always on aren't you always on gotta go gotta go where the opportunity is yeah so i mean to be honest with you that's pretty much it for the for the mary celeste it, you know um it's it's an interesting little mystery. It's and it's but I think it's one that's just um what's what's quite interesting about it is it's just spawned a lot of kind of like thought about different ways in which the um you know that the ship may have been been abandoned or the, the the state in which it was found. So, you know, there are some official explanations, but you know, nobody's ever really been able to prove definitively no, what not, happened. Yeah.
1: There's not there's not a satisfactory theory out there, I wouldn't say.
0: No. At all. You know, it's like, you know, like like your early seasons of loss. <laughs> Sets up a reasonably compelling mystery and then fucks it off. Very <laughs> interesting comes out at the end of it.
1: Yeah. Um so what what do you think happened now? What's your theory? Um I shall I give mine first? Yeah, you can do you. So I I mean, so my outlandish theory would be connect, collective madness, which can happen where humans feed off each other and then convince themselves that something bad's going to happen or is happening and then they went off on the boat and it didn't work out very well i think that's my outlandish theory because there are you know there's plenty of plenty of um examples of collective madness happening have you seen that thing where like there's a there's a weird thing where like um like for a day, people in a town or whatever like, couldn't stop dancing or something like that, or everyone had hiccups. Like people pick up on other people and then everyone starts doing it and it kind of snowballs.
0: Oh, no, I'd heard there was – I've heard of something that there was some kind of like – I can not know this is a made-up story. There was a, a plague, but it was the medieval thing of people, I'm pretty sure there were dancing yeah, plagues in that the, kind of thing in the medieval era um but let's say this was a while back and this is where people were a bit more sort of superstitious i guess um yeah there was a because you see these um yeah these woodcuts of like skeletons dancing these people literally were dancing themselves to death um, (laughs) Like like the dancing priest of father ted yeah yeah there was a mania that occurred in Strasbourg, alsace um like 50 and 400 people took to dancing for days, the dancing plague of 1518. Yeah, so
1: there's that kind of stuff throughout history That sort of collective madness. Um, so it could be that, that they all, I don't know. And again, you know, I don't know what effects. I mean, the thing is, if they were getting fumes off white spirit or whatever, is that not like people doing solvents, like solvent abuse, but they didn't know it's happening? And maybe over days that made them go a bit loopy and they decided to get off the ship. They might have started hallucinating, thinking they were seeing stuff on the ship because they were all wound up and had lots of solvents in their blood. I
0: would imagine unless you were down in the hold or something, you're probably not being that exposed to it. So it would have been built. Presumably
1: they, um, would, they would sleep in, and, you know, they weren't sleeping under the stars. They would have slept. And the thing is, it's a ship, so... So the fumes oh, they would have slept in a galley, galley, galley galley the galley. Fumes could through the floorboards, between the gaps in the planks.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the arrangement of the ship was. So, but it's I, would just have, a, I would have the, assumed. Yeah, no, 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 I, I would have assumed that they wouldn't have been storing because they would have known about vol- you know volatile spirits coming up and stuff. So, I would have assumed that their sleeping quarters would have been on another part of the boat. It's a, I, boat. Like, it's a small boat. Small boat in that. Yeah, don't know. so that's don't know. one. I, I think probably up. the more
1: likely explanation from all the stuff i've heard is that something went down with the people who salvaged it and it didn't work out well for the people of the mary celeste and maybe they put all their bodies and some navigation equipment into the lifeboat and just set it on fire
0: it's possible, I and guess. And then you but, could say, uh, "Well,
1: my um, the navigation stuff are gone, and that, so they've obviously fucked off somewhere. That you know they, they've abandoned the ship. You know that that's probably on." And everything we know, that seems like the, mo- the most reasonable explanation. Not that you can prove it.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not convinced by that one. I must be honest, because I think you know, you're if you're you know you're an experienced captain, you wouldn't just be going around murdering people for the first bit of salvage that you could get hold of. Um, Otherwise, you'd just be doing it all the time. I just don't don't know that I necessarily buy that there'd be. I mean, if it had been filled with rubies or something, then that's a mm. different story, I guess, because it would have been you know an act of piracy. But um, I, I don't know that they, you know. I don't see a compelling reason for them to sort of like attack a ship and then to m- murder a load of people. And but I mean, it's possible. Yeah, it's I mean, possible. just based um, on
1: everything but, that we know, which is not a huge amounts.
0: I, I think I think to be honest with you, it's the simplest explanation is probably the, the best, which is that they it was they abandoned ship for some reason, um, and we'll probably never know truly why. It could have been the explosion that they talked about. There, uh, it could have been you know the pump not working and them feeling that it was going to sort of. There were some some other theories about there might have been some you know some some thoughts that the, the ship was about to flood due to some sort of you know in the in the sea, or something that were you know people might have got confused, I think you know whether whether the captain panicked or whether there was like, a genuine reason for alarm or whatever, I think for some reason they did they they decided to abandon ship and then just basically lost their lives um as happened in those days i mean, I think this is one of the things is because it's you know, it, it wouldn't have been that uncommon for people to have, you know, if you, because it's quite drastic to abandon ships. Yeah. So I think that's the really weird thing is why they would abandon the ship. I, I don't really lay a lot of credence to the idea that it was foul play involved. I don't, not, not convinced by that. Again, you're talking about people who've got experience doing these things. That, yeah, but you know, the captain has experience, be. the captain of the Mary
1: Celeste had experience. So it seems weird that he would abandon ship. But again,
0: no, no, exactly. And it's kind of like what might have caused him to do that. But that seems like the most likely explanation to me. But what caused him to do that? Who knows? Um, as I say, you know, it could, could have been some sort of an explosion. It could have been a build-up of the solvents. So some, something that made them decide that they weren't safe on the ship. And, um, and I think they just took the lifeboats out and um, decided to chance it. And then uh, and then just, you know, never made it to shore. Well, fair enough. Um, that's two
1: equally compelling ideas of what may or may not have happened, uh, I think it's probably true that this mystery will never be solved. Um, you know, so get over it. Move on. Think about something else. That's what I'd yeah, say to cool. people. Um, so, Neil, uh, let's go through... What about this Jack the Ripper
0: character I've been hearing about? <laughs> yeah. that sounds like well, I don't think anyone's looked into that before. <laughs> uh,
1: Neil, so we shall go through our Matrix
0: um mm. so do you have a particular technique that you're using this week chris to yes objectively yes. this week i yeah.
1: am going to be I've, I've i've paid the person in the uh baptist church across the road from where i live to randomly at intervals ring the bells to different tunes do they have baptist mm-hmm. bells i don't know probably not anyway for for for, yeah, for, well. for this conceit they do and uh, depending yeah. on the tune that rings that will give me the score i'd memorized them all it's so, I, I, I just went for the simplest one this week that i could think of
0: was that inspired by the belocho no maybe oh, no, maybe no, they're maybe, they're maybe subconsciously maybe subconsciously yeah
1: maybe that he he's, 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 he's constantly trying to get me into the Baptist church so maybe yeah. he's maybe that's what it is do you think he's a hungry little fellow and you look like a recent I've met him once he knocked on my door during uh, lockdown Um, I didn't invite him in because I thought he might be a vampire but uh, he went oh you know it's nice of him to check him yeah he was going yeah um, I am the minister from across the road uh, just checking how everyone's doing if they need anything I went oh that's really nice of you Uh, no I'm fine but um, you know well done That's decent of him I'm not. I'm not. I'm not coming to your cult. <laughs> That's how they get you. They say they say yeah. he was being kind, but he was trying to thank, get people when they're you. at their most vulnerable to come and join his cult, his snake handling cult. I believe he handles snakes. I think it's Southern Baptist. Yeah, I would, I would imagine. Uh So, Neil, spookiness. I will let you go first. Remember to keep it brief, as we're trying to do that from now on. <laughs>
0: Um, so it's not massively spooky. I mean, it, the idea of a ship just suddenly getting abandoned, I think that the the myth is more interesting than the reality, so I'm going to go with that. Um, you know, the food was still untouched on the table, uh, coffee was still hot, all of that sort of nonsense. Um, there is something that's quite sort of spooky and intriguing here, just, you know, how could somebody just suddenly go missing? But it's not... It's, I think it's just really just the, the weird sense of mystery. But I think there's a... There's a bit of spookiness in that idea of, um, of just suddenly, everyone just suddenly vanishing and uh, it being completely unexplained and never finding out why. Um, set up the premise for a good film called The Vanishing. So I'm going to give it i I'm going to go half and half and give it a five. Okay, five. So spookiness. Um,
1: you know, there is something inherently spooky about people just disappearing off the face of the earth, no explanation, um, whether that be on a ship or a ghost town or whatever. Um a triangle. Um I guess it <clears throat> you know, if it could happen to them, what's to stop it happening to me kind of thing. So and the fact that no one knows what's gone on is quite spooky. Um but it you know, it's it's a ghost ship, but it's not a ghost ship as in it's a ship that's a ghost, which would probably be more spooky. So yeah, I'm gonna go with you now. I'm gonna give it a five. So believability, I'll go first. Yes, it's believable because it happens. Um, so it's going to have high believability because it's well recorded. Um, the, the I mean, there is no one theory behind what happened. So there's nothing mm-hmm. to particularly hang our hat on there to, you know, it's not like, and everyone says it's aliens. Do you believe that? No. I mean, everyone has a different story. Even you and I, uh, have crossed swords, uh, on this podcast mm-hmm. about it, you know, very, very, very violent and kinetically. <laughs> Visceral.
0: I've got to abandon ship if this carries on much longer. <laughs>
1: abandon. Um, but you know, it's it happens, and it is a mystery. There's nothing to hang your hat on. So believability. I mean, it's going to be an eight for me. But the only reason why it's not a ten is because there is no one outstanding theory in which to believe.
0: Yeah, and I think um, I'm going to summarize quickly. It's fairly similar for me. Um, it's going to be an eight for me as well, because as you say, most of it is substantiated, um, but the unsu- uh, lower lower score, because the unsubstantiated stuff isn't really believable for me. Okay, Neil, reach. So it's an interesting one, this to to think on how far it has reached, because in my head, this one's really sort of well-known. So it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, truly I mean, look, at the end of the day, it's been nearly 150 years and people are still talking about it. I think part of that is largely based more on the kind of, the tall tales that came out afterwards, but actually they're not that far from the truth. And I just think there's something about unexplained mysteries, and this has become kind of like a bit of a poster child for, you know, a ship going missing. I'm sure this did happen in, you know, or to a certain extent, you know, people setting off and abandoning ship um, ha- had happened elsewhere. Um, it wasn't that uncommon an occurrence, but yeah, it just, it just feels a bit um, one that, that we'll learn. Um, that, that, that will will carry on resonating as a bit of a mystery, um, and it has done for the last hundred fifty years. And I think it's reasonably well known around, certainly the English speaking world. I don't know much more than that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it an eight because I just feel like it's quite well known.
1: Yeah, so again, it's one which I've pretty much always known about. Um, 150 years old. There's been it's been in lots of. TV shows and you know, there's been films and it's been books. It's all over the internet. I'm sure it's been in computer games and that. Um so it's it's used a lot in popular culture in the English speaking world. Um I would imagine people in Europe may have heard of it, but it's not as big. Um and I would imagine people in Rio de Janeiro have never heard of it, or people in Abizabwa have probably never heard of it. So, I think people in Japan may maybe have heard of it or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's got the global reach.
0: Um, no, I don't know about that.
1: Might do. Might. Yeah. So, yeah, it's fairly old. It's fairly well known. Um, I'm going to go a bit lower than you um, because, you know, it's just the English speaking world, really, and maybe bits of Europe. So,. I think it's i mean a seven I think seven's fair reach wise so narrative premise so I mean the narrative is there you know we've got the whole life story of the ship and what happened afterwards and and everything um how it's found court cases i mean the like it's a whole story, so that's good, and the premise is good like right? mystery ship no one there the premise obviously embellished um but I mean, it's strong. It's really strong and it's led, you know, it's led to lots of offshoots and different things, but it's an original one. So it's going to be high for me, the narrative premise. Um, the fact that there isn't any, uh, wear otters, stump swatches or blocos in it does take it down a little bit because, you know, I love those little guys, but, um, Well, you know,
0: you could, it could, you could have got a giant octopus in there somewhere.
1: It has got a giant squid. Um, but I I think, I think it's high. I think that's a nine for narrative premise for me. Neil.
0: Yeah, reasonably similar for me. I can always do with a man-animal hybrid in there somewhere, (laughs) but you can't have it every time. So, um, yeah, I I think it's, it's something and it's, you know, it's a possibly frustrating era of modern um, television, the the sort of mystery box thing. It's because, it's a compelling mystery, and I think that gives it a really strong narrative hook. Um, you know, and and you can see that from the way that so many different people have tried to fashion out different ways. And I didn't also get into. There were a whole bunch of other stories that people have come out, but they've just been so easily debunked. But that have um, you know been published in newspapers just because they they just felt like a good story. And people have gone, well, why why would you possibly publish this? And it's like, well, just people couldn't resist the tale, basically. So yeah, I'll go with the nine as well.
1: Okay, and that gives us an overall...
0: Give me a second. It's a high one, Neil. It was always going to be. I think it's it's not as spooky as it could have been. The spookiness let
1: it down, but overall it is a 59 out of 80, which is... Let's have a little look through my numbers on this uh, spreadsheet that I've got here. Uh, That I can see unscientifically um it's probably our second highest ever probably our second highest, so you know well deserving of being our end of series uh big mystery, so Neil, how do you think the uh, first series of urbane legends has gone
0: you know i think i think we've we've learned a lot from our from our yeah. from our time here i think you know it's improvements can yeah. be
1: made. i think they've gone better as we've moved on we've become uh more professional, <laughs> although maybe <laughs> maybe uh, slightly more rambly. But you know, that's just what it. That's well, just because yeah. I refuse to I edit things you... down to an appropriate length that people will listen to.
0: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, is, is this truly worth anyone who's listening to? Probably not. Let's cut that bit out a bit more. It's been very much like it, like a tree. You know, just prune it more than you think you need to. Um, no, I don't know. Uh, no, I've enjoyed sort of looking yeah. at some of these things. It's, um, I, I just think it's quite um, uh, interesting being able to sort of talk about some of the some of the stuff. So you know, I've enjoyed looking back, and also for me because I had not heard of a lot of these things. Um, yeah, it's just quite interesting to see the kind of things that catch people's imaginations. I think it's been nice to sort of look at some of them around the world as well. That's been good. Yeah, I think uh, you know, it's bringing the world seeing, closer together, aren't
1: we? I mean, in our own, one would like to do our our Idiosyncratic. Yeah. Well, I think that if everyone did that, then what a happy place we'd have! Idiosyncratic, low effort (laughs) fashion. Yeah, but if everyone in the world tried to bring the world together in their own idiosyncratic, low effort way, then the world would be a lot closer together, wouldn't it? Yeah,
0: that's fair.
1: Yeah, unless uh, the low effort idiosyncratic way was uh, domination or war, (laughs) bringing people to heal. That Uh, sounds like a lot of effort.
0: Yeah, i Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I've, I've enjoyed it. of 80 um, for the first series? Yeah. Oh, no, you're putting me on the spot. I'll uh, I'll give it a 50. 15? 50, 5-0. Oh. oh, very good.
1: <clears throat> Lovely, I'm just writing that down. Uh, I'll give it a 40. I'll give it a 40, yeah. half marks. Middle for diddle. Okay, and that was series one. We've had some laughs and we've had some fun. We've had some tears and we've seen our fears. Urban legend will be here for years. There you go, I improved the song there. That was good, would not it? <laughs> I was saying was something. <laughs> it was, it was something.
0: Uh, as always, uh, please, please, please feel. <laughs> I, was, uh, you know, yeah, I thought about jumping in, but frankly, I think to it because I don't think I could have done any better. At so least, yeah, that's impressive. not bad. Uh, so, uh, feel free to
1: email us at urb legends at gmail dot com. Uh, we will be back with the start of series two on the ninth of December just give us a couple of weeks to uh, discuss, uh, to basically to do an after-project report and see what we can improve on. And I've also got to uh, do some graphics for Series 2 and that kind of jazz. But, you know, thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you've enjoyed Series 1. Um, You could certainly listen to it all in one go if you want to go mad and it will take you about a day and a half.
0: Wouldn't, wouldn't recommend that. Wouldn't recommend it. Get on the tour. If you do have any suggestions for things that we should look into for series two, please do let us know. Let us know. We're open to suggestions. Um,
1: but just as a little, uh, little thing to whet your appetite, one thing we're going to be looking at is, uh, people going mad because of the song My Way by Frank Sinatra in Indonesia, I think, is it? Yeah, in the
0: Philippines. In the Philippines. Well, actually, it's, it's, it's mostly in the Philippines, but there are some other other cases. So, yeah. There How you go. Us, right. Quality, ponts
1: quality. So that's it from Series 1 of Urbay Legends. Thanks for listening. I have, as always, been Chris Flynn, Don't Have Nightmares, and with me, my erstwhile Hello, colleague... <laughs> Thank you for listening and hope to see you soon. Enjoy your two-week break.
0: Bye-bye.
1: Bye.